Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Are you putting the customers at the center of your business? If I asked your clients this question, would they say yes? My next guest, Carrie Bodine, is an expert on how to really put the customer first and gain financial benefits through doing customer experience right. Carrie and I dive into her famous book, Outside In, a must read, and discuss practical ways to apply human-centered design and journey mapping the right way. By the end of this episode, you'll gain valuable advice, whether you're brand new to journey mapping and in the CX field for a short time or more advanced in your CX practice and want to amp up your skills. I promise if you apply the recommendations shared, you will see a noticeable business impact. I have one request before we get started. Please share this episode with others who can benefit. Subscribe on your favorite podcast channels and leave me a review. Feedback is a gift. By the way, if you want to access podcast episodes of mine and other resources, subscribe to my newsletter on my website, doingcxright.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Carrie Bodine. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. Hello, Stacy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am a big fan and I'm sure a lot of people know you, but if not, they're going to love you by the end of this. So let's start with who are you? What do you do for a living? I am a customer experience consultant and thought leader. I'm the co-author of this book that if you can see this video is right behind me, Outside In, The Power of Putting Customers at the Center of Your Business. And uh, I've had my own uh, consulting company for, uh, gosh, I'll just say since 2014, so I don't have to do math. Uh, And it's very creatively called Carrie Bodine and Company. Very creative. Outside in, I have to say that that term has been used everywhere I go. I'm sure you're not surprised. Yeah, it's been really, it's been really fun um, to see that happen. It wasn't a term that was used so much when the book came out, uh, and so um, yeah, it's just been really fun to see the uptake in in that term over the years. So not to say that it wasn't used at all when the book came out, but certainly it's it's gotten a lot more runway since then. Absolutely. And I'm one of those quoting it. So for sure. <laughs> uh, what does outside in mean to you? Outside in is, it's like getting out of your own head, getting out of your own way of thinking, um, the way that your organization thinks and bringing in the perspective of your customers from the outside, you know, the outside of your four walls or four virtual walls um, to really understand what your customers want and need and expect um, so that you can deliver an experience that is going to benefit them and in turn benefit the organization that you work for as well. But it's all about getting that outside perspective and realizing that 
what people think about your organization from the outside or about your products, your services, your experiences is not necessarily what people inside the organization think of those things. It seems incredibly intuitive. And yet, there's a whole book on it and people have to keep being reminded, why do you think that is? To me, it's like no duh. <laughs> well, it is no duh on on the one hand. I mean, if you're if you're working in this field for a long time and, and you get used to that way of thinking, it becomes second nature. But it's kind of like swimming or running or riding a bike or whatever it is. It's not necessarily the way that you just instinctively approach something. So um mm. Yeah, I the, the reason why I think is it's so challenging is that you know we all we all live in our own heads and you know in in any kind of relationship whether it's with a spouse or partner or kids or friends or you know work relationships or relationships with your customers you know, we we have our way of thinking and and we can kind of just get Oh, I don't know, kind of sucked into this idea that how I think is how other people think, how my brain works, what my emotions are like, or what how other people's brain works and what their emotions are like. And that is, you know, not true at all. We all have, you know, just our own unique chemistry, biology, psychology, and we all have completely different you know, upbringings and experiences, life experiences that bring us to this point where we're interacting either, you know, person to person or a person with an organization. And so, you know, again, we can we can just really kind of get lost in this idea that, oh, everyone else is kind of like me, but really it's that everyone else is not like me. And that's kind of the big aha. So um, th- that's why I think it's it's challenging and why books need to be written on this because um, we just become blind to the differences between us. I don't know, and it, it's kind of it's kind of strange too because in a, in a world where it seems like we're kind of uber focused on the differences between us, you know, in so many different ways right now. Um, in a lot of ways, we we all just kind of operate thinking that we're all very much alike. Yeah, let's. Go back to you for a minute. Why? Why your passion around this topic and customer experience? Yeah, um, I. This is. I'm, I'm pausing because this is. It is really kind of a personal thing for me. Um, I really am motivated by helping people be happier, and. And I think this ultimately gets to just the fact that we have so little time on this planet. And, and time is one of the most valuable resources that we all have as, as human beings. And so when we are fighting with an insurance company or making a phone call to argue over a charge or trying to figure... I was, I was even just trying to cut a, a video clip today for, for something and it's like... I, I I couldn't do it. I was getting frustrated and, you know, wasn't sure how to export it. And um, I won't name the product that I was using, but I will say that I use a Mac. So you can um, maybe figure out <laughs> what product it was. But, you know, life is too short to spend time worrying and being frustrated and arguing over bills and things like that. And so, you know, for me, 
I, I know that most of the people that I ultimately help will never know that I even exist. But but that's kind of the thing. Like I I am working with organizations ultimately to make the lives of their customers better so that they can make the most of, of their precious time on this earth and spend time with their families or reading a book or you know, doing a hobby or getting an extra 20 minutes of sleep or whatever it is that they want to mm. do to make the most of their life. So that's that's really why I do this is to to just mm-hmm. help people have happier lives. I will say also that I that I'm very invested in helping organizations be financially more successful as a result of that. But but ultimately this is this is a people business and and that's what it's about for me. Yes, I love that. And I would also say that there's no reason for frustrating experiences. There's no reason for it. There's not. We've got the technology. We've got the know-how. We've got the processes. I mean, this is one of kind of the, the occupational hazards of working in the customer experience field is that you start to realize like, oh, I bet I understand what's going on. I was arguing with... Um, Again, I don't. I don't like to name names, um, you know. But it uh, it was a, uh, a a device company of of some sort that um, my device had broken, and I, they gave me a discount coupon, but not until after I had purchased a replacement. And they were they were not they were they were like, oh no, you have to send the new one that you purchased back, and then use the coupon code to buy a new one. And, you know, and I was just like, this makes no sense. Like, this is a hassle for me. It's going to cost you, the company, more money. And I was talking to someone in on their support team. And I was just like, look, can I please talk to a manager? And, and this guy was like, there's no manager here today. And I was like, look... <laughs> I was I was nice about it, but I was like, look, I, I know how contact centers work and I know there's a manager there. Um, <laughs> so can you please just connect me? <laughs> and so, you know, whether it's that or whether it's, you know, a process or the way a form is designed or whatever, I, you know, for me, like going and looking at a menu in a restaurant and the typography, it's like it, experiences are all around us. And, and yes, there's no reason for frustration. There's no reason for a lot of things other than, you know, maybe not knowing that it can be done another way. And so that's that's what I'm on the mission uh, on a mission to do is help people realize there is another way. It doesn't matter if you know you're a one person business, a ten person business, a three hundred thousand person business, um, you know w- whatever it is. It's um, you know there's always a way to do things better and and mm. be more successful as an organization and, and make your customers happier. What's one fun fact people might not know about you? Hmm. I love to travel. So I used to travel a ton, of course, before the pandemic for work. Um, but I also love road trips. I've been to every uh, every single state in the US. Um, obviously, I haven't driven to all of them because I don't think you can drive to Hawaii that yeah. I know of. But um, yeah, I've been to every single, every single state, um, most of them through car trips. Um, started when I was really young with my parents. And so, um, yeah, I just love to get out and have new experiences and, and see new places. I love that. That's a great fun fact. <laughs> so... Now, let's talk about things that are actionable for people who are listening. So we sure. we talked about outside in, what that means from your perspective, why it's important, and it has to be so intentional. Journey mapping 
is a way to drive real outside in mindset. If you do it right. <laughs> if you do it right, for sure. Yeah. And putting the customer at the center. What's your advice for people who, let's start with people who've not done this before, and then we'll get to some of those that are more professional and advanced. If someone's just starting out, what's your advice to them? Uh, just keep it simple. Don't try to map everything and don't try to don't try to make it more complex than it is. I, I find that a lot of people come to journey. I do, I do a lot of journey mapping training. And so people often come to the training feeling really overwhelmed because they're like, well, we have, you know, you know, 10,000 different customers or a million customers or, you know, whatever the size of their business is. And, you know, they're all unique people. How are we going to possibly map all these different things that they're trying to do? And everyone has a slightly different experience. And it's like, all right, that is all true. <laughs> and you're never, you're ne- if, you, if that's the way you're going to approach it, you're never going to get everything done. You're just going to ma- map journeys for the rest of your life, <laughs> each individual journey of each individual customer. So it's really about just focusing. What is the most important journey that your customers go on from both the perspective of your customer and of your business? Because we want to map journeys that when you understand it better, when you are making changes to it, it's going to move the needle both for your customers and for your business as well, either in terms of increased revenue or decreased costs or brand building or employee retention, you know, whatever, whatever business outcomes and, and metrics you're, you're tracking. So, um, you know, very often that is the purchase journey. Um, it might be a support journey. Um, it could be the journey of onboarding. Um, hmm. One journey that I think a lot of people uh, just don't even think of is the leaving journey. You know, what's the journey hmm. of a customer that is deciding they don't want to use your products and services anymore? Um, you know, or an employee who wants to go take another job? Because um, everything that we talk about with customer experience here and, and customer journey mapping is equally applicable to employee journey mapping as well. So, um, you know, and, and you might say, well, why is that ending journey so important hmm. to the organization? And you know, I kind of look at it as uh, like a, a dating type of thing. And there's a, you know, a romantic relationship and then there's a breakup and, you know, what happens? What transpires in that breakup? You know, who who says what uh, to each other? You know, to their friends, their family. Um, it can have a big impact on whether or not those two parties are going to say nice things about each other. Um, you know, again, to to the to other people who are not involved, um, it makes a difference in whether or not those two people are going to talk to each other again, whether they're willing to get back together again. Um, and mm. certainly, I think that's the goal for for any organization that's losing an employee or losing a customer. Ultimately, they want to get that that employee or that customer back at some point. So that that's why that ending journey is so important. So anyway, so so that's that's my advice is is just start with something that is small and contained, but that's going to have a big impact on both your customers or employees and your business. Yes. And one of the other benefits I found when journey mapping internally is it brings, it breaks silos by bringing cross teams, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing cross teams together. Yeah. There's a domino effect 
And people don't realize, oh, my role stops here. Oh, and yours begins. But yeah, how about the fact that mine impacts you and the next person? Right. And and we are, I mean, we're all structured in these very siloed organizations. And we are compensated by focusing on our silo. And we are given tasks that are very often within our silo. And so this, this siloed thinking is just reinforced day after day after day. And so just as you kind of have to break out and, and, and get something to jog your brain to say like, oh, yes, you know, my customer isn't like me. You know, you have to have something like an internal journey mapping workshop to realize, oh, it's not just my department. My department is just one piece of this entire puzzle that the the customer is trying to put together and 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 we're all interconnected. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the internal journey mapping workshop is such a fantastic place to start getting people to to often talk for the very first time to understand each other's roles for the very first time. And I think that's the other thing that I would I would tell someone who is just starting out on this for the very first time is that yes, absolutely start with that internal workshop. But ultimately you got to get out there and talk with your customer. You have to make sure that they understand um, or that, that you understand what's actually going on with them. And so when we when we just stay at that stage of doing that internal workshop, you are very often going to be left with a lot of assumptions, hypotheses, and a lot of those hypotheses and assumptions, okay, a lot of them are going to be right, but a lot of them are going to be wrong or at the very least incomplete. And so that's why you have to bring actual customer data in. And there's lots of different ways to get that customer data, you know, your call center calls, um, you know, your voice of the customer program. Honestly, all of those things are great. And I would also include just one-on-one customer interviews, getting your customers to tell you their stories about what it was really like to try to accomplish a goal and run up against roadblocks or not be able to accomplish that at all. Um, because you know it, it's those stories that really bring the experience to life and help you create a journey map that's really going to connect with the people who need to use it to make decisions and take action. Yeah. When I was working at Verizon, what was really brilliant is they had customer experience department within new product development. And we Mm -hmm. would, that's unusual. Mm -hmm. And they would, we would actually define the journey map and validate it in an agile way with real customers before we were investing in the product. And it's, it's just so brilliant. smart. It's so yeah. smart. I very often talk about human-centered design or design thinking. And 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 I'll just say that I, I consider journey mapping to be kind of a subset of the design thinking larger umbrella. But I talk about it as a risk reduction tool. It is a way to understand whether this thing that you are going to build, whether this change that you're going to make is 
going to have the impact that you think it's going to have or whether it's going to have some unintended consequence or maybe not even meet the needs that you're trying to address in the first place. So yeah, absolutely. Um, Doing some type of design work, some type of journey mapping work, prototyping, testing before you roll out a product and invest millions and millions and millions of dollars in it. Oh my God, it's just such a smart strategy. And it's surprising how few companies do that, you know, when Verizon is the exception to the rule, you know, rather than the norm for that, that type of activity and that type of thinking. Yes. And I want to encourage people who are, who have a product that you can touch and feel. That's one aspect. But mm-hmm. also, when people think of Verizon in that case, I actually wasn't on the consumer phone side. I was in the B2B IoT. That's something you can't touch. Mm-hmm. And so you you can journey map no matter what it is. It don't let a physical product be the reason, you know, that you do or don't do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I say if there's anyone Try to accomplish a task over time. You can journey map it. You could journey map what you want the experience of throwing a party to be. You can journey map. You know, it's, it's anything, anything at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Would you say the right way for people who are new at this is to just think in micro moments, like create the big overall, but then dig into that micro, like you said, when people are leaving or onboarding, like just start digging into a micro portion. Well, I I don't know that um, I would consider that a a micro moment. Let's just, let's talk about onboarding. Um, So, I mean, onboarding can take Anywhere from, you know, a couple of hours to a couple of weeks to, you know, I've heard stories of, um, you know, with with certain industries of onboarding lasting months. I mean, certainly when you get into the B2B and tech space, onboarding can absolutely take months if you're looking at bringing in a new system for employees to use. And so, um, you know, what what I tend to uh, encourage people to focus on is what is the actual real life goal that someone is 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 trying to accomplish. You know, I am trying to get my employees up and running on this new software or using this new sales process or I'm trying to get my internet up and running in my new house or whatever it is. Like I have a very specific goal in mind. And that's the goal that I would have people focus on. So I don't know if you would call that a micro moment or or a macro moment. For me, I align it really with um, just a, a journey is is aligned with a, a task or a goal. And then, you know, that one phone call or that whatever, I would consider those more the micro moments. But, mm-hmm. but that's where I think people traditionally focus is on those micro moments. And that's why we lose that bigger picture of understanding holistically whether or not we're actually supporting our customers. Yes, we've like, you know, micro optimized all of these, these different points, but you know, does it, do they all flow together? Um, do they, do yeah. they work together in an orderly and streamlined, yeah. uh, you know, way? Um, you know, that, that's what we really want to be looking at. 
Where do the metrics come in when we talk about NPS and CSAT and effort score? Mm-hmm. Where does that come into journey mapping and probably more the advanced level? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, when when we talked about validating the the assumptions and hypotheses a, a few minutes ago, um, certainly again, there's lots of different data points that that you can bring into that. And um, again, it's that 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 raw storytelling, that emotional storytelling, is so important. But then, what you're asking about now is really about all of those additional data points. And the data points can be for the journey overall. You know, how well did we help you accomplish your your task or your goal? Um, so, you know, it's to me, it's it's not it's not relationship NPS. It's not transactional NPS. It's really journey NPS. It's um, it's it's in between because we we get asked those other two questions all the time. Just like how well you know how likely are you to recommend you know X Y Z company or based on this specific phone call, how likely are you to recommend? But I don't see companies asking people like based on your you know the experience that you had getting your internet set up from start to finish how likely are you to recommend so so i think that we need to think first of all about collecting data asking some of these questions in different ways to get data that better aligns with that that functional unit of the the journey, um, but then also bringing in all the other data points that we've got. If you if you've got your your journey or your journey map, looking at what what are the data points that we're collecting along the way? Because yeah, if there is a phone call as as part of that, there's tons of metrics that you can bring in to help people who are who are trying to understand the journey really understand. Okay, what is really the experience, what are some of the measurements and metrics that we're looking at specifically at this point? Now, that's not all we're putting in because there might be metrics associated with, you know, the the in-branch, in-store experience or the website or whatever it is. But it's it's bringing in that whole collection to help people see all these metrics, which they typically see in a PowerPoint presentation or maybe on a dashboard of some sort, but bringing them in to look at it holistically and say, oh, okay, yeah, I've never really thought about those contact center metrics or, you know, whatever it is within the context of what someone's actually trying to accomplish. So it's, it's really a, I think a a data finding mission. If you're doing journey mapping, Um, you know, I've talked to folks who have worked for months and months and months to get their hands on the right data that it's, it's living somewhere in the organization, but it's challenging to get it and to get it all in one place. And then, use it as part of a story um, to help people truly understand what's going on with the customer experience. That, that is definitely an advanced topic because it is challenging. It's really challenging to do that. I agree. We could talk a whole topic on data silos. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Never yeah. mind human silos. Well, yes. as we're coming close to the end, a few last questions. Are we already? We are. I don't want it to end. Yes. Well, first of all, um, what's the lasting impression that you have from the outside-in book experience? Um, I mean, first of all, it was an amazing experience to to write it and, and be involved in that. This isn't something that I talk a lot about, um, but if you're reading outside-in, there's all these different case studies of 
and I think there's like 80 different companies or something like that that are an outside in. And there's all these case studies of how you know this company does this one little thing really well, and this company does this other thing really well, and the company does this thing well and this thing well. But there's no case study in outside in of this company does everything well. And mm. and I think I thought in the years after Outside In was published, that that would change a little bit, that we would start to see more organizations who are truly firing on all cylinders when it when it comes to customer experience. And I think those case studies are still really few and far between. And I think part mm-hmm. of it is because customer experience, it's not a discipline like accounting. It's like, there are ways to do accounting and there are ways to not do accounting and everyone learns more or less the same thing. And I'm not an accountant, so maybe I'm wrong about this, but it seems like, you know, there are standard accounting practices and your company better be following them. But with outside in, I mean, you can come, or not with outside in, with with customer experience, you can come to a customer experience role with a deep data and analytics background. You can come with a design thinking background. You can come from more of a leadership perspective. You can focus on culture. Um, you know, there's so many different lenses that you can put onto the customer experience field. And mm-hmm. so the way that customer experience teams have grown organically and, and often grown out of the people who are already in that organization and the skills that they just inherently have that they're bringing to it, you know, every company just does does it differently, has some completely different flavor of what customer experience looks like and feels like within their organization from, you know, from, from the CX program perspective. Um, yep. And so... I think that's I think that's the thing that I think about a lot with outside in is just how different every organization approaches it. Um, mm-hmm. I think in my dream world, I'd love to see people from many different backgrounds coming together in a single organization and truly executing across more of the disciplines that truly are part of yeah. of the the larger customer experience discipline mm-hmm. we'll see that mm-hmm. in the future it's, it's that, for me though that's yeah. the, that's the lasting thing that it's just it's taking it's taking longer than i thought it would Yes, I agree, especially from one who's worked in companies that are extremely slow moving in my mm-hmm. in my uh, career all right well, final questions what is the best leadership advice that you've either received or given? <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it's leadership advice, um, but it's certainly it's certainly work advice, pro- productivity advice, and I, and I got it from a mentor of mine years ago. I was working at a startup in the first dot com boom, and I was I was working on some. I don't remember what I was working on, but I was feeling just overwhelmed by what I was doing. And I had to get some report out or something like that. And, uh, you know, wasn't knowing where to start. It was very early in my career. And uh, my, my mentor who was in the desk next to me, he's there in the cubicle next to me, he said, clean your desk. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't have time to clean my desk. I have this big thing to do. And he's clean your desk. And he said, just trust me, clean your desk, and, and, and then let's, let's talk about it. And in that process of cleaning my desk, I, I straightened out everything in my head as well as in my physical mm-hmm. space that I was in. And, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, I, I the reason why that came up to me for for leadership advice is that I think I think a lot of people, whether they're leaders or individual contributors or or somewhere in between, we're all overwhelmed. We got so many different windows and tabs open, and you can see my desk right now. You know, I'm not following this advice today, but I think I think we'll all be better leaders when we can have a you know a, a clearer mindset and um, and a clean a clearer desk is a path to that. I do believe. Yes. Last. Well, last two, rapid fire here. Sure. If I had a ton of CEOs and leaders in my room right now, what's the one thing you wanted them to take away and remember? Oh, that customer experience absolutely impacts their business outcomes, either positively or negatively. And and the top three that, or or top four that I talk about, I've already mentioned it's retention, cost savings, your brand, because... Organizations pay a lot of money to build their brand, either to external agencies or through advertising, um, and then also employee attrition um, or, or retention, whichever way they're looking at that. So um, if, if, if you think that customer experience is just some touchy-feely thing, it is about how people feel, but people act based on how they feel and how they act will impact your business outcomes. So mm. absolutely, you got to be paying attention to this. And the art of journey mapping helps with that. Of course, because how are you going to know what your customers want or need uh, and expect from you without, without going out and doing the research? And for me, journey mapping yes. is the most effective way for organizations to understand whether they truly are or are not helping their customers accomplish their goals. That's what it's all about. Yes, outside in. <laughs> From the outside in. And last, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell your younger you? I think just not to sweat it. Like everything's gonna be okay. I think I I think I worried a lot in my twenties about what I was going to be when I grew up. And honestly, I don't even know what I'm going to be when I grow up now. <laughs> so many, so many dreams for the future. But just knowing that, you know, follow your passion and uh, everything's going to work out just great. Mm, I love that. Well, <laughs> we are at the end, but it's not the end of people learning from you. And oh. uh, what's the best place? I'm going to put in the show notes uh, links to all of your fabulous work and contact oh, information. You. Is it your website that would be best? Yeah, kerrybodine.com, K-E-R-R-Y-B-O-D-I-N-E. And uh, if you are interested in, uh, I know we talked a lot about journey mapping today. Um, yeah. uh, certainly, there's a lot of information there, um, a lot of stuff in my blog, free resources, and some really great products and, and tools as well. Can I, can I mention just one that I'm really excited about? Because sure. I, um, yes. I, I really... I really um, when I created this product, it's called the Journey Mapping Master Toolkit. My goal with it was to put everything that I know about journey mapping down on paper, down on a web page. And so mm. it, it really is like 
and I update it all the time. If I if I'm like, oh, you know, I've learned this thing, or you know, I want to add something else, I'm updating it all the time. But it is, it is soup to nuts how you go through a journey mapping process, and then not only everything about how to do it, but the actual tools to do it as well. So um, if you're mm-hmm. excited about journey mapping, um, I'd encourage people to to check it out. Excellent. Well, thank you. Appreciate you, and I can't wait to share the gift of you. Oh, thank you so much, Stacey. That's so nice. And thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been great. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, doing CX right.